This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And what you heard moments ago was Arizona knocking off Duke. The Wildcats are number three in the latest AP poll. And certainly they are getting a lot of attention uh, after that win. And look, the teams ahead of them, Kansas and Purdue, one, you know, certainly has looked vulnerable as far as, uh, you know, the playoffs are concerned. Uh, Kansas still looking like a juggernaut, but uh, this is still a fascinating race, to say the least, in terms of determining the great teams in college basketball. And to talk about this and so much more is Mike Rutherford, who's joining us now. He's the manager of CardChronicle.com and host of the Mike Rutherford Show. Mike, thank you so much for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Let's start by uh, breaking down the card today because uh, we talked about Duke losing. Duke is now taking on Michigan State. Blue Devils are three and a half point favorites with a total of 141 and a half. What do you like in this game? Love the over in this game. I think it hasn't been focused on quite enough uh, so far this season. Maybe it's the new block charge rule that seems to benefit the offenses. Maybe it's this early in the season, teams not being shored up defensively. But in the only, I mean, it's been a, a not a loaded early college basketball slate for the first week, but there have been only 13 games featuring multiple power conference opponents. The over is 10 and 3 in those games. So I, I think the over is a safe bet. Uh, it, Champions Classic in both games tonight. Um, I, I think that Duke. You saw what Arizona was able to do to them inside over the weekend. They don't have a whole lot of, uh, you know, maybe they should have gone out and gotten a center in the transfer portal. John Shire swung and missed a couple of times. Maybe he should have kept swinging. Uh, I think that other teams in the NCAA tournament, that's a long-term concern, can exploit them there. I don't think Michigan State can. Michigan State does have the experience. They've got five guys that have all been in this spot before. But I do like Duke's talent to shine out tonight. I don't think that Michigan State will have an answer for Kyle Filipowski. And look, when you look at it, these two teams, one of them is going to leave tonight one and two. One of them, I think, has a very understandable loss to an Arizona team that looked like a national title contender over the weekend. Michigan State doesn't. James Madison is not a game they have any business losing. I know they bounced back and looked good in their second game. But I think that Duke is more ready for this moment tonight than Michigan State is. Uh, what about Illinois Marquette? The Illini, a, a short favorite. It's one and a half, and the totals 147 and a half in that one. This will be a really interesting game. Illinois has not looked as good. And they're, I mean, both, neither team has really faced any competition so far. But Illinois, a little bit shaky in their second game. I do think they have the outside shooting that can exploit Marquette's lack of athleticism on the perimeter a little bit. Terrence Shannon um, is, is a very good shooter. He was great in that exhibition win over Kansas that got so much attention. I do think that Marquette, if they want to win this game, they've got to be disruptive defensively. Illinois can be a little bit turnover prone. That can be a difference in this game. I also want to see something from from, from Coleman Hawkins from Illinois, who's a guy who played very well against Marquette the last time they faced off. This was a couple of years ago. He's a dude with a lot of potential, a guy that can exploit, I think, the, the, the Golden Eagles inside, but hasn't done much so far this season, averaging just four and a half points and six and a half rebounds per game. Very versatile, can stretch the floor. Uh, I think this early in a season, like, I, I get why Marquette is ranked where they are based on what they did last season. I'm not mm -hmm. the biggest believer in Marquette long term. I think they're due for a little bit of a regression. And I think going on the road and playing Illinois this early in the season could be a spot that they're just not quite ready for. I like the Illini to win and cover tonight in this game. 
Welcome back, Mike. Thank you so much for joining us. Kansas at Kentucky, this spread at six and a half. Both of these teams have a lot of talent, but would you give the edge to Kansas, who maybe has a little more experience? You have to give the edge to Kansas, and the reason is obvious right now. It's not just the experience. It's the fact that they have Hunter Dickinson, maybe the most uh, sought-after guy in the transfer portal. Kentucky really wanted to get Hunter Dickinson. They lost out. And right now, UK has a very significant size problem uh, at that center position. Every single center on their roster is either hurt or hasn't been cleared by the NCAA. They're playing Trey Mitchell at the five right now, the West Virginia transfer, who's uh, six foot nine. He's more of a stretch four. He offensively shoots a ton of threes. He's not big. He's not physical. I don't think he has any answer whatsoever for Hunter Dickinson. And this could be a game where Dickinson just goes off for, for 30 points. I don't think that UK ha has an answer for him. This Kentucky team, though, is fascinating. They've looked really, really dynamic in the times we've seen them, not just their first two games this year, but when they played in the Global Jam in Canada in July, they looked farther along than you would expect a team that's composed of that many freshmen. Dillingham looks like the real deal. Justin Edwards is getting some love for the number one pick in the draft. Uh, DJ Wagner, for most of his prep career, was the number one high school player in America. You've got those guys. You brought back Antonio Reeves. You brought back a couple of other key pieces from last year's team. I think UK has a chance to be really dynamic. But John Calipari is banking on what worked for him in the first half of his tenure at UK, still being able to work in 2023-2024. We saw this last year. Freshmen aren't dominating college basketball the way that they were when Calipari was going to a Final Four every year. Only two of the top 100 scorers in college basketball last season were true freshmen. He's still banking on true freshmen being able to carry a team to a national title. And, I mean, we'll see. This will be a nice early test for them because Kansas is more of the modern philosophy where they have a couple of really good freshmen, but they're more based on bringing guys back and killing in the transfer portal. They've got that roster that Bill Self has had success with in recent years. So I think this will be a really fascinating test. But again, I love the over in this one. I think that, I think I think 147 and a half or 148 and a half is way way too few points for this one. I'm starting to notice a trend uh, in your marquee <laughs> bets uh for this card tonight. So definitely I will be taking notes. What do we make of Alabama? Because last year was was really strange and, dare I say, uncomfortable. Uh, what are we supposed to make of this team for this year? Uh, they're taking on South Alabama today as 21.5-point favorites with a total of 153.5. I think that they shored up their, their needs because, you know, I just mentioned freshmen not carrying teams in college basketball. They were sort of the exception last year. They were freshman-driven. They did have Javon, Javon Quinterly, who at times played like a freshman, but has actually been playing college basketball for like 75 years. So they were mostly a, a freshman-laden team that killed it for most of the year, ends up being a number one seed in the NCAA tournament, bows out early. The, uh, Nate Oates did what so many great coaches are doing right now, swallowed the pride a little bit, went to the transfer portal, got some experienced mid-major guys, some experienced guys from power conference teams. Mark Sears has been a really good player for them early on this year. He's got Aaron Estrada. Grant Nelson was a prize transfer coming over from North Dakota State. I think long-term, there's plenty of reason to buy Alabama. I don't think they'll have much of an issue with South Alabama tonight. They should be able to put up a ton of points. We won't really know much about the Crimson Tide until later this month. They're going to play Ohio State uh, on a neutral floor. They're going to play Clemson that's got a bunch of guys back from a team that almost made the NCAA tournament. And then they're going to end up eventually play Purdue, who may be the best team in the country, coming up in early December. So I, I think that Alabama will be fine. It's a it's a much, much different team, though, than the one we saw a year ago. More experience. I think long-term, that's going to benefit them once we get to March. 
I want to ask you about Creighton. They're uh, 12 and a half point favorites tonight against I- Iowa, 162 and a half. So a higher total in that one. Uh, do you have anything on that matchup? And, you know, just I, I haven't consumed as much as you have in-, in college hoops, but they seem to be one of those buzzy teams uh, as the year is starting off. Where are you on Creighton? I love Creighton. I, I-, I absolutely love Creighton. I think when you talk about when we talk about guys taking a step forward in college basketball, a lot of times the conversation is all about the sophomore jump, the sophomore leap. I, I think look at a guy like Trey Alexander, who's been very, very good for his first two years of college hoops. He's definitely making a junior leap from great player to, I think, maybe the elite of the elite. Like, like he's one, he's been one of the best players in college basketball, limited sample size for sure. But I, I think that he has a chance to be an absolute superstar, first team all Big East type guy. I think he's that good. They brought back Baylor Shireman. Um, Trey Alexander also is helping out. You know, Ryan Emhart goes ahead and transfers. He's helping out with the the ball handling duties, and so far he's doing a great job. Uh, like you said, not a whole lot of tests so far. They blew out FAMU. They blew mm-hmm. out um, North Dakota State, and now they're going to play Iowa tonight, which will be a, a little bit more of a test. I like Creighton to cover that spread, though. I, I think that they're just way, way further along than Fran McCaffrey's team so far uh, in this at this point of the season. I, I, I love what what Greg McDermott's doing at Creighton. I, I love that roster. I think long-term, they're a team that projects very, very well. Would not be shocked at all if they get back to being right there on the precipice of the Final Four. I want to open it up to you. Are there any other sides or totals, <clears throat> excuse me, that we haven't touched on that you have your eye on for tonight? I mean, all, all the other games, you've got a lot of good teams playing a, a lot of bad teams with really high numbers. Uh, like, I love this Tennessee team right now. I, I think that they're being overlooked a little bit as far as, you know, last year, the knock on them was so obvious. They were, I think, the best defense on Ken Palm for most of the year, just could not score at all. And that wound up being their Achilles heel once they got into the Sweet 16 after knocking off Duke. They go into the transfer portal, which is what you have to do. They got a guy named Dalton Connect, who – when we were talking about the biggest impact players, the transfer portal, nobody talked about Dahl Connect. He's a guy from Northern Colorado. He shot the lights out. He's basically going up two levels in, in college basketball when you talk about going from, from uh, UNC to, not that UNC, different UNC, to all the way up to Tennessee and playing in the <laughs> SEC. And, and he's lit it up for them so far. Like, like He has been that outside shooting presence that they desperately lacked last year. Uh, I, I don't know if he can keep this up long term, but he went into Wisconsin, very tough place to play, scores 25 points, lights it up from the outside. They drop 80 on the Badgers on the road. That's I know that Wisconsin's not elite this year, but that's still something that you don't expect a, a team that had offensive flaws to do. I think long-term, like they're going to be great. They got Jordan Ganey as well. The defense still looks like it's going to be fantastic. I, the spread tonight against Wofford is outrageous. It's like 35 and a half or something like that. But I think that, that uh, you know, the, Long-term, look at the Vols. Maybe they cover tonight, but look at them future games. I, I think that Tennessee is really, really good. He's Mike Rutherford, manager of CardChronicle.com here on BetQL Daily. What is a futures bet that you have made in season where you are willing to succumb to the small sample size and buy whatever they're selling? Uh, give me Baylor Final Four. I, I think that Baylor was was wildly undervalued going into the season. I mean, we keep talking about all these teams that are adding all these guys from the transfer portal. And you got to remember, Scott Drew was doing this before it was cool. Like, like Scott Drew was going out there, getting high major talent to come into his program, some of the best mid-major players. And he was very, very good at taking all those guys, including a, a group of elite incoming freshmen, and making them into a cohesive unit. Like, like that was what he built his, his program on. 
at one point in time, he was a one and done guy, saw that not working as well as he wanted in the late 2000s, early aughts. And so he sort of, de you know, developed this new philosophy where it was, he was going to build this program with returning players and high level transfers and kill it with defense, kill it with just a high pressure. Off if you watch that game against Auburn, they just wore Auburn down at the end. Like they had guys that were ready for that moment that had all the confidence in the world, whereas Auburn didn't. I think Baylor's not going anywhere. I know they didn't get a lot of love coming into the season, but I think if you're looking for a team that has that March pedigree, that has a coach who knows how to get it done, like you know, they're going to play uh, Duke coming up next month. They're going to fly under the radar for a little bit. Watch for them in that game. But Baylor in the Final Four, like I'll be surprised if they're not another top four seed with a very good chance at playing deep into March once again. Mm, Baylor nine to one for the Final Four and forty to one for the title. It, it, you mentioned it there, Mike, with with Baylor, and you talked about it earlier with Kansas. How you think you need to attack the transfer portal and bringing your experience back. And, and I assume some of it is in the back of your mind that once they get that experience together, that second half of the year, a lot of these teams will, will look different than they do right now. Any other teams that stand out that are doing it right? that we should pay attention to, you know, we don't, we can't project madness and title final four runs and all that's the path that they're going to get, but which teams do you think are doing it right that you might want to watch out for? I think one team, and this is going to sound very strange, but one team we're not talking nearly enough about, and maybe it's because they don't have a marquee game in the first couple of weeks of the season. How about the defending national champs? How about Connecticut? How about Danny Hurley's team? You know, they definitely do it right. They, they brought back uh, some solid talent from last year. They go in the transfer portal. They get a, a, a shooter to come in and, and fill that void that was left. You know, they've got Tristan Newton back. Donovan Klingon's hurt right now. But I think in this day and age, it's never. there's never been a better time to trust elite coaches. And Danny Hurley, I think he's next up. You, you talk about losing these generational coaches in recent years, losing Coach K, losing Roy, losing Jim Beheim. I know Rick Pitino's back, but he's kind of the last of that great group of coaches that, that dominated the sport for the last couple of decades. Danny Hurley, I mean, he's got the most extensive playbook in all of college basketball. He's the right kind of crazy. Like, like he lives, breathes, eats, sleeps this. Like, like he's from a family that has just been around basketball their entire lives. I think he's earned the right at this point to just trust him on an annual basis. He's going to get the most out of this team. I think they have a decent shot. I think they have a much better shot than anybody's saying right now to be our first repeat national champion since Florida did it back in 06, 07. Like they're going to make a, a legitimate run. They're going to be right there when all is said and done. I don't think that we're talking enough about Connecticut right now. What a, about 30 seconds? What about Purdue? Zach Eady looked dominant last night against Xavier. Is this just a team that you still want to stay away from come tournament time? I mean, look, you know, small sample size, but hey, I don't know if you guys knew this. The only team, the only, you know, a, a team that's lost to a 16 seed in the first round has never not won a national championship the next year. So, I don't know. Odds in favor of Purdue. They looked good <laughs> last night. Uh, I mean, I, I think that Purdue's going to be fine. Their concerns from last year are still their concerns this year, but they're going to be, you know, they'll be right there until March. We'll say that. You know how many Virginia friends of mine like to point out this small sample size? It's uh, it's not good. It's not good at all. Mike Rutherford, host of the Mike Rutherford Show with some fantastic college basketball analysis. Thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we will return to our NFL Team Futures convo, including who in the AFC will make the playoffs. We'll talk a little NFL individual awards as well. That's right here on the BetQL Network. 
Welcome back to BetQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. Let's talk about the MVP award in the National Football League because, folks, on BetMGM, we have co-favorites right now. Pat Mahomes and Jalen Hurts are at 3-1. to one. Tua and Lamar Jackson are at 5-1. to one. And then we have a drop-off after that. Joe, do you like any of those four, or are you looking down the board? Yeah, I mean, I, that's... I think that's the question. Is it four? Is is that the list now? It was five, I want to say, a couple of weeks ago. But are we down to four? And, you know, based off this weekend, part of me thinks, ah, should Lamar really be the third favorite? Should he really have this number of five to one? But where do you move him? He's got the same number as Tua at most spots, sitting there as, as a third favorite. So if you go beyond that, we started to talk about, we'll get into it more, about how tough the path is going to be for the Cincinnati Bengals. We're trending not a playoff team. C.J. Stroud stuff is out of control. And I don't want to dislike him. But these betting numbers that we're getting for MVP, they're going to force my hand. And he seems like a great kid. It's an awesome story. He's already running away with Offensive Rookie of the Year. I don't want to dislike Stroud. I'm cheering for my 80-1 to passing yard leader. But these people out there betting him for MVP are going to, man, make me upset. Uh, okay, just go go through the names. Burrow, Stroud, Purdy, Josh Allen, no. McCaffrey, no. Goff, Dak, Trevor Lawrence, Tyreek, Justin Herbert. Yeah, it's four. I don't think any of those guys can re-enter the conversation just past the midway mark. What do you think, Aaron? I agree. I mean, I'd love to bet golf, but we've talked about it before. Maybe it was even last week. I mean, it's just tough. There's a case against him there. And he's got some competition yeah. with those four. I, I think you're wasting your money. I mean, it's pretty obvious. It's not going to be Stroud. It's not going to be... Purdy. I mean, we already saw what happened, you know, when Trent was out. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know where else to go. It's not going to be Aaron Rodgers. I don't even know why he's listed. <laughs> what? What's the golf case? What's the golf case? Case. Just the, I mean, obviously their record, they could get the number one seed. I, I guess, but nothing's you about him. Say that the, is my point. <sighs> It's not about him. It's about He's team success. Manager. Yeah. 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 Right. So I, I would not put golf in that convert. So no. I, I know I've been pointing this out a good bit in terms of, okay, what are the indicators for who will show voters they played well enough to win MVP and total EPA has been a fantastic indicator as to what voters will ultimately look at for who's going to win this award. And so if we go by Sumer Sports and look at the uh, rankings for total EPA, fifth place is Jalen Hurts. Fourth is Dak. Dak is an, in, an, in an interesting spot here because if the Cowboys offense is starting to come together with CeeDee Lamb as wide receiver one for perhaps the entire league, I think Dak's going to get some serious consideration. So I wouldn't mark that. I wouldn't bet on it right now, but I would just make a mark. They're playing the Panthers. Could be another opportunity for Dak to go nuts. Number three is Pat Mahomes. 
Josh Allen is number two. Like, despite the the lack of team success, his numbers are still fantastic. And so that one is, you know, in some strange buy low spot. Again, I wouldn't pull the trigger here. But again, I wouldn't throw it away just yet. Because if for some reason they make some change this week and they start to go nuts, the ceiling for Josh Allen is a lot higher than just about anyone else's. So I'm marking it. But number one in total EPA is Brock Purdy. And at 25 to one, I think there is value still on him. We saw a completely different offense with everybody healthy and they demolished the Jaguars, a team that we thought coming in could contend with the 49ers in that contest. And it didn't happen. No way, no how. If the 49ers start to make this massive run all the way to the one seed in the NFC, I have to believe that Brock Purdy is going to get some serious consideration. Josh Allen's campaign okay. ending last night. It's over. No, yeah. it's not. Yeah. There's no they have five losses right now. We have a ha- almost half okay. a season to go. And we know the teams. I'm just saying, like year after year, mm-hmm. you know what else is an indicator is where your team finishes in the playoffs, win the division, are you a top two seed? There's zero chance of that happening. So I I would eliminate him completely. The Purdy like, stuff, if you're going to sit here and no. tell me that Jared Goff, it's because everyone around him, and you're not going to say that about Purdy just based off EPA per play, I think it's the same argument. I don't at all. I think it's everyone. I don't ar- at all. The yeah, we totally disagree on that. Purdy than Goff. Way better for Purdy than Goff. And, and, and at the end of the day, that has to mean something. Like, not that, I mean, Goff has done what's what's been expected of him. That's fine. And to an extent, Purdy has as well. And I'd say, you know, offensive play calling might be a little bit better in San Francisco. But at some point, the discrepancy between what Purdy's numbers look like compared with everybody else's, not just Goff's, but everyone else's. Joe, I think that matters at the end of the day. But when everyone's not healthy and they're losing games and that's not a knock against him at all? But everybody's lost a couple of games, though. I mean, the only one who hasn't is Jalen Hurts. And I don't know if we're really taking – I mean, yes, he is one of the favorites, and that's fine. But in terms of, you know, value plays, like, should we look beyond this this group of four? I I think Purdy does have a really compelling argument. Hmm. Yeah, we're, we're taking the number into account. So, like, if Purdy has a shorter number, let's say the Purdy number, I don't know, is 10. Like, we're not even having this conversation. Mm-hmm. We're not. No, we're not. The top four, The top four, none of them are doubted at this point. It, even, I think we could say with Tua, for all the people that were just pouncing on Tua, criticizing him for years and years and years, I think the first half of the season has turned people's opinions on that. Mahomes hurts Lamar Tua. So not only does Purdy have to break into that conversation, but for him to leapfrog all of those guys, Purdy still has his doubters. And anytime San Francisco loses, what do people jump up and do? I mean, these are people that are voting for the award. Purdy, Mm -hmm. Purdy's fault. Purdy stinks this. Purdy did this wrong, blah, 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 blah. So for him to shut all of those people up, what sort of record would they have to have? In addition to getting the number one seed. They're two losses behind Philadelphia right now. I, I think that's a no-doubter, that they would have to get the one. Most times I would say two, three is a possibility. But for San Francisco, because it's Purdy, not completely proven, are we now at a full calendar year maybe 
of uh, of seeing him play football, um, it's going to be really tough. I would not eliminate him like I would eliminate Josh Allen this morning and just what he did on that island spot, what the entire team did and the perception of them and the schedule moving forward. I would not eliminate him like Allen. Uh, there is a chance, but I, I would say that San Francisco has to be the one in the NFC, which is possible, but he also has to shut everybody up. There can't be any more games where people are blaming a loss on Purdy. Yeah, I just think when you have your star left tackle out, you've got a good head coach. People are pointing in other directions and not giving all the credit to Purdy. And I think that just has kind of a dark cloud over his MVP. What what about And it's that? an interesting Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just gonna say Purdy real quick. It's an interesting timing spot because he could light up the box, but then he goes at Seattle shortly. Yes. At Philly, mm-hmm. Seattle again. So it's kind of like you could lose the number this week, but then you might get it back. So it's a I, I'm I am famously shout out Jake <laughs> out on the party MVP conversation, but I see I see the same no I see the numbers. I'm yeah. a hater, yes. That's just <laughs> it though is you you could make a similar argument in terms of strength of schedule for just about anybody. Like you know we're, we were talking about this with the number one seed for the NFC. Like Jalen Hurts doesn't have it any easier. I mean, the only team that I think has a significantly easier schedule in that group would be the Lions. But when you're looking at total EPA, which again, it is a reliable indicator. Voters aren't looking at it, but it's a reliable indicator nonetheless. And so I'm absolutely embracing it. Kurt Cousins has a higher total EPA than Jared Goff right now. It's unreal, man. He's got a long way to go. Yeah. Uh, Okay, let, let's say we're going to entertain the idea of Purdy being the one guy that has value outside the top four. That That's where we're at. He would have to ball out Christmas night against Baltimore in a primetime game that everybody's going to be watching. Them too. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with and that. And then Lamar probably not be as good, and then he's maybe knocked down a peg or two. That's the other part of it. It's just, and Joe, you said this, like all the guys he has to jump. Yeah. Everyone's got the same similar tough run, but he's the one that needs to make up ground. Not necessarily by EPA, but I think in the voter psyche, he's got to, he's got to win and he's got to beat those guys. If it's close, it's going to uh, Mahomes or elsewhere. I think this there, you guys said there's a 12 on Stroud. This is beyond Looney Tunes, man. This is nuts. Get out of here. Stroud stuff. What about Dak that you brought up? (laughs) I mean, it's the best number available right now on a guy that, like, again, if we're making the case and we have that there's value on Mm CeeDee Lamb for Offensive Player of the Year, it's got to at least be a conversation on Dak. If they go nuclear in the second half, they got to win the East, probably. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if they get the number one. Because, like, the Lions could get the number one, and Dak could still sure. win MVP. Again, if we're eliminating Goff. Yeah. If if the Lions finish one, Cowboys finishes two, then Dak has the edge over Jared Goff, and that means the number is good right now. And I would say if the Lions finish one and the Niners finish two and the Cowboys finish three, I think you might still have the edge. You might be right. No, you might be right. And again – 
this is more of a Purdy being 25 to one, I think offers value conversation than it is all other things being equal that I would not go mm-hmm. for, but that's, right. that's kind of the way that I see it. If you're looking for a number, I would be surprised if that deck number does not get significantly shorter over the next two weeks. It's Carolina, then the Washington secondary. You know, if you're looking for Mm -hmm. a number, you're looking for value, will he answer the top four? I don't know. Maybe not, but he's just put up three straight 300-yard games. If that number gets to five straight 300-yard games, which it could very possibly do, man, the steam Mm. is going to start. Mm-hmm. Or just hammer CD lamb props. There you go. <laughs> Which or is a player. great segue, a fantastic segue to offensive player of the year. Again, co favorites Christian McCaffrey, Tyreek Hill at uh, plus 140, AJ Brown at plus 550, CD lamb at 35 to 1. Joe, what do you think? Okay, so 35 is that uh, the best number? Because yesterday morning the best number was 45. I believe this is just it's from the... bed MGM. So yeah, it looks like 35 is the best that's available. There's a 50. Oh. Uh, I see, see 35 that, as low as 20. Look at the same play. <laughs> I do not see a 50, um, but he's now the fifth favorite. Is there mm-hmm. value? Is there value? I think there is, mm. but you know, the person talking is the one that bought it at 75. Like, there's a, a massive gap. Is he? Th- I think he should be shorter than Jamar Chase. I'd make him shorter. He should be in the mm-hmm. top four. If you want to have CMC with the top three receivers, Tyreek, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, fine. I'm good with that. Um, so if I'm saying that he should be fourth, then, yeah, there's value at 35 because Jamar Chase is 22 to 1 at the best numbers uh available out there man i mean the the run that he is on right now what if this continues it's actually even more impressive when you look at what he was not doing in the first month of the year and then mccarthy learned like oh i should be using this guy in this manner i should be putting him in these positions to succeed crazy thought best playmaker let's put him in a spot to succeed and then look at what's happened over the last month it's insane like 150 he's like well, 150, oh, ho-hum. Like, that's how great he's been. Yeah. With the way he's playing, the numbers C.D. Lamb is putting up, I wouldn't be surprised if his odds are right there with A.J. Brown. Should be. It, it, it'll get there eventually. By the way, I like the green eggs and ham delivery there. I can use Lamb in the slot. I can use him in the backfield. I can use him on the outside. That's exactly how it should be done. Like, put Lamb, move yes. all around, and everything's fine. Like, show some creativity for once. But they're finally doing that, and that's why I think Lamb is so good. By the way, Jamar Chase at 22-1. to 1, They've got to win this game on Thursday. If not, that that's a really tenuous spot for him to be in, so the value may not be there. But it will get shorter if they win that game because he will have had to have gone off. So that's something I will be eyeballing. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. We will continue our awards discussion after the break. That's right here on the BetQL Network. At MGM from BetQL. Welcome back to BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Eddie <laughs> Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. That was Lions head coach Dan Campbell telling us to break out the Huggies because he went for it on fourth down a lot in that victory over the Chargers. 
And you know what? It paid off. They won the game, and now the Lions are very much in contention to get that one seed in the NFC. So let's talk about Coach of the Year futures here because Dan Campbell is the favorite at plus 150, and we have had a couple of other guys kind of enter the conversation with shorter odds. D'Amico Ryans at 3-1, to Kevin O'Connell at 10-1, to Mike McDaniel, who's been at or near the top of this list for a while, he is at 6-1. to So, Joe, what are you looking at here? Uh, well, what I'm looking at is it's. it seems like for the first time this year, you can't really go too far down the board. That, okay, now we have a larger sample size, and it's tough to make a case for someone outside of the top five. That they have the top five correct, and then beyond that, it's going to be tough. So that that's what really jumps out to me now. With Campbell, it, it, you know, it's been – back and forth with Campbell and McDaniel for much of the year. And that was fine. But then you could always find a name that was in the twenties. Like even when we had this conversation a week ago, there was O'Connell in the mid twenties. He's now 10. I see him as short as plus plus six fifty. There was Tomlin in the mid twenties and he's as short as about 10 and he's the fifth favorite at most spots. So beyond the top five, it's tough. Sirianni, Peterson, Salah, Shanahan, Stefanski, Harbaugh, Carroll. Like all these are, are a no to me. Is there any way, let's say that the Cowboys win the division. Are people going to be crediting Mike McCarthy? Probably not. Even if they end up being a, t- a top team, they did have those expectations, even though they weren't the betting favorite going into the division. The win total was very high. It's it's tough. It's tough to go down the board. Um, yeah, the Broncos have gotten on track, but nah. I mean, Shanahan, they're <laughs> supposed to do this, right? I mean, so what are they, six and three? That's about mm-hmm. what people expected. Or maybe yeah. they thought they'd Almost have a little bit of a better a record. Bit. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I'd say a little bit. So I can't go beyond the top five. That That's my lead on the coach of the year. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's pretty much done. I like the O'Connell thing, but there's really no interest in any longer shots. The only one that I could think of, and it is a stretch, would be Shanahan if they get the number one seed and all that. But we just pretty much went over this argument with Purdy, so... Right. (laughs) Right. (laughs) We could do it again, though, Aaron. Right. (laughs) Harbaugh? Well, let's mm, – no, I don't think so. 40 to I don't one. think so. Because that division is going to beat up on each other, so what are they going to be the rest of the season? How about this? If you were going to pick one of the five – I get this still image right now. <laughs> if you were going to pick one of the five, you're voting today. <laughs> Who's getting your vote? Campbell, Ryans, McDaniel, Ryan's. O'Connell. You'd go with Gosh, O'Connell. I actually like the case for O'Connell too. You lose your quarterback, your best player. They've had other injuries, but right now, like nobody. Well, I guess you could say with the draft that the Texans had, were people? Ex- I don't think anyone expected them to get it together uh-uh. this quickly. No way. It was all Jaguars. It's a tough. Oh, it's a foregone conclusion. Jaguars are winning the yeah. division. That was the I perception. The top four. Maybe I guess five if you include top Tomlin. It's so tough. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how you can consider anyone else. If I had to pick one, 
my gut just said D'Amico Ryan's first, just because yeah. I think it stands out among the rest. Like, wow, you did that? Assuming they they stay on this trajectory and continue on. Um, and CJ Stroud is balling like he is. So every time Ed signs in, we get this crazy freeze frame. Like his head's to the side. I don't know what is going on, but that's why we're laughing. Just so, so we're, you don't think we're completely crazy. Okay, so. Which we are. Yeah, for the most part. We definitely lean that way. At the moment, the Vikings are not winning the division. Now, we learned last year, you don't have to win the division. But Dayball gets the New York bomb. Um, Tomlin would not win the division. It's crazy. Like We we saw Bill Barnwell last week in his write-up for midway through and the awards and all that. He's like, Tomlin's my number one guy. That's it's real. And people but, love the guy. And he's never been top five ever in this award. No, I don't think he's ever I gotten a vote. I can't believe he's never won it. Yeah. The thing with Dan Campbell, it seems like they're baking in how bad the Lions have been in years past because I think this season we st- we expected them to be where they are. I mean, they've been slowly building towards this. That's why to me, D'Amico Ryan's if you're just looking at this season, more impressive. Okay, I'm writing a vote down today. I'm writing down Mike McDaniel. And last night is probably going to be big too with Buffalo. The Dolphins are likely to not only win it, but maybe win it by a few games. And what the offense has done this season, and we're forgetting about them because they didn't play this weekend, but Mm -hmm. that's the one where I think we could make a case that there's a bit of a bit of value. Uh, There's a plus 750 out there. Ed, if you had to vote today on coach of the year, if we're, in agreement that we're staying in the top five. Aaron mm-hmm. goes to Miko. I go McDaniel. Which one are you writing down to win it? I would go Mike, McDan- Mike McDaniel here in large part because I, I think if I'm being asked like what the voters are going to do, that mm-hmm. charisma is hard to ignore. That has to matter in some way. Dan Campbell's charisma is hard to ignore. So in terms of what I think the voters are going to do, that's one thing. But the other thing, too, is what this offense looks like with the Dolphins is revolutionary. We are going to be taking notes on what's going on this year for years to come. And I think that matters at the end of the day. When we're talking about the story of the National Football League, it is entirely possible that all of this garbage about the Dolphins being unable to win big games and things like, yeah, they haven't won against really good competition yet, but who's to say they can't? You know, we have this bye week where there are wrinkles that can be added to where the Dolphins can start to look formidable. And look, they start to win these big games, then suddenly we take the Dolphins way more seriously instead of this just, okay, speedster Tyree kill kind of offense. Suddenly we take them really seriously. There's a lot of room for that growth. It can be there. I believe the potential is there, and I think Mike McDaniel – and by the way, the fact that the Dolphins didn't play it all this week, there's probably a better number for McDaniel in the here and now, and mm-hmm. you're probably not going to have that number pretty quickly. So I, I, I think also, for me, why I didn't pick McDaniel – obviously, I have a crush on the guy. I um, would love <laughs> to pick him, but I'm trying not to be biased here – is because yeah. like they've got a talented <laughs> roster and I still think we expected them to be here and the other if Mike Tomlin's never won coach of the year 
Surely they can look past Mike McDaniel this season. I still think D'Amico Ryan's getting CJ Stroud to play like he has as a rookie. The fact that he's 12 to one to win the MVP is unbelievable. What he's been able to do with this team, nobody expected them to be there. I just think it's more impressive than what the Dolphins are doing. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a fair argument. Miami mm-hmm. could very well, well, look, they're going to be favored. They're going to be heavy favorites for the next five weeks. Vegas. Yeah. Jets, Commanders, Titans, Jets again. They're going to be double-digit favorites in the majority of those games, like they are this weekend. And do you see what happened to that number over the last 24 hours? just keeps heading north. People are like, yeah, mm-hmm. I, I can't. Fading the Raiders, buying the Dolphins off the buy, whatever it is, they are all in on backing McDaniel. So there's a good chance they're going to be sitting there 11-3 and three, heading into the final few weeks. It's a tough few weeks. Dallas, Baltimore, Buffalo, but at 11 and three, you know, maybe they get the one in the AFC. It's going to be tough to deny. Uh, right now is the best value we've seen on McDaniel's number in a long, long time. Cause he's been going back and forth with Campbell as a favorite. Mm-hmm. And, and others are entering in the conversation. And I think if you take a yeah. week off, that's the time when, when the publicity publicity isn't there, the PR machine mm-hmm. isn't spinning for you. That's the time to remember these guys. Yeah. And, and what is it about McDaniel? It's all the cool things he says at the press conferences. Well, he hadn't had one because of the bye week. So I, I think there's value there uh, just as far as I'm concerned. Uh, shall we talk about the wild card picture in the AFC now? Because in the NFC, okay, You have a bevy of teams going after one spot, but in the AFC, it is way more complicated. Yeah, which, uh, okay. So when I look at the teams on the outside looking in at the moment, Cincinnati, they are on the outside. They have the toughest remaining schedule. We have, let's see, Vegas. Great story. They win again over the weekend. Oh, but look, we we just mentioned their game. Coming up next, and it's not just Miami. There are a lot of tough matchups. They have the third toughest schedule. Denver, back on track. They have a very tough schedule. Life in the AFC is West is very challenging. Buffalo, brutal schedule coming up. So which team on the outside could get in? I have a feeling Ed is going to talk about the LA Chargers. Am I correct? Uh, what would make you say that, Joe? <laughs> What on mm. earth would give you that idea that I, an L.A. guy, would talk about the L.A. Chargers? Yeah, I know. Go ahead. Four and five. <laughs> what, what, sell us. Can you sell us? Justin Herbert, eighth in EPA, CPOE composite with filtering out garbage time for RBSDM.com. Seventh in adjusted EPA per play, tenth in success rate. It is still a grind, but you have a top 10 quarterback, and a top 10 quarterback perhaps is all you need to overcome all of the other challenges. That's why the Chargers at plus 215 can very well make the playoffs and is a value play. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, Brad Powers shares all of his college football bets for the upcoming weekend. That's right here on the BetQL Network.